Hey, rock stars, Andrew Houston here from Profit for Contractors with another no bullshit podcast, you know, bringing you guys real, you know, insights, real strategies that you can use, apply like right away, real time. Um, I got my man, Jay Carter with us. Jay, what are we going to be talking about? Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, price accelerations and um, supply chain uh, issues that we're all experiencing. Exactly. Major shortages on the uh, supply chain side. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on uh, another No Bullshit podcast for contractors. Until right now, this very moment, contractors have always been on their own, not as tradespeople, but being alone and knowing how to take their business to the next level. They call us working class. They call us blue collar. They say that we don't have the smarts to become the business owner that we're meant to be. That is such bullshit. You have the ability. You're more than any of that. The question really is where do you get the insights that you need specific to contracting to systemize your business so you can get your profits to pay for your freedom? I'm Andrew Houston. I'm going to show you how to make more profits, how to get more control, how to get more freedom in the simplest, quickest way possible without any of that bullshit. Welcome to the No Bullshit Podcast for Contractors. Listen up, level up, and if you learn something, like the video, subscribe to the channel, change your business, change your life. All right, everybody, welcome to another No Bullshit Podcast for Contractors. I'm here with Jay Carter. Uh, Jay's, um, you know, Jay's one of the partners here at Profit for Contractors and also owns um, a significantly large uh, roofing company. And uh, Jay, uh, material shortages, is this something that you've been facing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day. Do you think, uh, you think that our audience is, is facing any of these challenges as well? I would be very surprised if they're not. Yeah, it's a, it's a global issue, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's not one that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, but with anything that's a challenge and anything that puts volatility in the market, it's an opportunity if I ever seen one. Yeah, let's, let's, um, we're, so what we're going to talk about everybody listening in again, turn off this station, change it to a different one, turn it off. If, uh, if this doesn't resonate with you, if you're not a contractor, if you're not trying to improve your contracting business, then this podcast isn't for you. Um, we're going to be, you know, addressing, um, areas of how to go about doing better at getting material, how to be able to work with your suppliers better, how to engage with your customers, how to protect yourself. So those are the things we're going to be covering off today. So without further ado, so Jay, you talked about challenges becoming opportunities. Let's just touch on that for a moment. How could this, you know, challenge, you know, these guys are listening in going, what the fuck are you talking about, Jay? Like, I, I can't get my material. Uh, my customers are pissed off. My suppliers have no lead time for me. They're like, every time I call them, the, the, the same answer is like, yeah, we don't know, but we'll give you a call once we know. How is this potentially an opportunity, bro? Well, I, I think first first off, um, the opportunity lies in the fact that everybody's in the same boat. Okay, it doesn't matter your size. Um, everyone has the same issues that they're fighting and, and customers have, um, you know, they, they need to understand that. Um, the opportunity lies in being able to do projects quicker, getting people to commit to things, getting, um, you know, never before have we, we seen the opportunity to get as much of our contracts upfronted, meaning that we can buy material now 
for a job that's going to happen later um, and an opportunity to grow with your with your suppliers. So, I mean, again, you can imagine your suppliers in a, in a terrible position as well. They're they're getting angry phone calls every day. And most of those phone calls, though, are guys that expected to get the material, didn't pre-plan, didn't, you know, made some assumptions around the material being there and not being there. And, you know, ultimately have put this this blame and, and put a lot of the, um, the stress onto the suppliers. Now, the suppliers, again, they're doing their best. They're they're working hard. Why not help them? The great opportunity again. And listen, you know, what goes around comes back around. So, you know, when you land a contract, very simple, very easy. Well, wait, wait, just before yeah. we get into the strategies, I just want sure. to dig a little bit deeper on the opportunity side of things. So yeah. when we when we look at this as an opportunity, mm-hmm. if you get this right, okay, if you, I want you to talk about this from two sides. If you get it wrong, you know, and then flip it to how is this an opportunity if you get it right? And then let's get into the strategies. That way the listeners can go, hey, is this something that I want to freaking keep listening to? Is this something that I actually want to work on? So let's start off. Um, you know, we can just skip right ahead and just go to what happens if you get this right. What? How does this help dominate, get you dominate your market and use this as an opportunity? Well, again, if you if you get this right, um, ultimately you're delivering when everyone else is not. Um, right. And again, you 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 become the hero in a bad situation, and people remember that. So, I mean, that's that's you know necessarily that's the reward for getting it right. Now, also getting it right. Let's let's fit, let's you know talk grassroots here. You know, if you're listening in and you've been trying to get your foot in the door into a client into, you know, you know, into a certain, you know, company, whether, whether you're doing industrial, commercial, residential, dealing with homeowners or what have you. I mean, how does this Jay give you the upper hand over your competition? If you get this right? Well, again, you know, it allows you to, um, you know, take an opportunity where you may not have had one before. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, customers will, you know, generally use the same contractors. All of a sudden, they're not available, or they're too backed up, and they're delayed. And you can deliver. Um, they're going to remember that, and that's your opportunity now to, you know, take over that business and, and you know, to serve that customer. So again, and it's, um, you know, it's a matter of of thinking ahead and being a little bit smarter. Not not necessarily doing more work, but being smarter. I love that. I love that. So in the eyes, here's here's, you know, just I'll sprinkle a little bit of candy you know, candy cane on that cake is the reality guys is that if you get this right, you're going to be looked upon as the authority. You're going to look, be looked upon as Jay said, as the hero, you're going to be looked upon as the trusted, you know, contractor that, you know, is able to do things that your competition is not able to do. And really that gives you, that can leapfrog you in dominating your market more than you've ever had an opportunity, you know, uh, in the past. So make sure you're paying attention here. Make sure you're taking notes. Um, Jay is, um, not just talking from, you know, off the top of his head, he's talking from experience. We're talking from experience. We've got thousands of champion CEOs that are part of uh, the profit for contractors community. They're applying these strategies and this shit works. Okay. So pay attention, take notes and do something with this. Jay, Let's get into some strategies, dude. So sure. how do you want to approach this? I think you mentioned so, earlier two different groups or something. Yeah. So so I think, you know, first of all, we want to look at it in three different areas. So and first starting with before we start a job, before we go into an agreement, before we, you know, set expectations in a project that we're not going to meet or we're going to meet. 
So this goes into two divisions. So I'm going to speak to two different groups using the same exact strategy. Perfect. Okay. So we're going to talk about a, you know, trade contractor working for a general or working, you know, directly for a large contract, be it government or what have you. And for as well, anybody that's dealing direct um, B2C, there is a great opportunity to communicate before the job begins and set the expectations right. Okay. Not just saying it, but putting it in your contracts and meaning what you're going to say. So one of the best ways that, that we've protected ourselves and protected our customers. Okay. Because remember, it's not that the money's not there. It's the expectation is, is not met or you've let them down and, and surprised them with something that causes the, the, the initial problem that causes the uh, mistrust in your services. So what I like to you know, start off by saying is every single person you know, from this point forward should have an accelerated price clause in their, in their contracts. Okay. And explain it clearly to their customers. What does this mean? So an accelerated price clause means that, hey, listen, we agreed to the price today. All right. I'm going to hold this price. Now, this job may be occurring at any point. Okay. If the price rises more than, you know, rises 5% between now and the time that I get the material and everything goes to the job, I'm going to add that onto the contract and we're not going to re-sign a contract. We're just going to add that on. I'm going to justify it to you and, and 5%. If it's above that, then we have to stop and we'll, we'll renegotiate. But right now, if it's 5%, we're, we're going to keep moving forward. Okay. So I explain that to my, my, my customers. And this, again, if I'm signing a subcontract, I'm working for a major general, I make sure that it's, it's understood and it's in the, you know, if you're doing a CCDC or wh whatever major contract that you're doing, it's in there and it's understood. Okay. And for, I'll, I'll be honest with you, we've had zero kickback from this, you know, million dollars co contracts, no, no issues. Okay. They understand it. They get it. All right. It's also telling them that I know my stuff, all right? I know, I know my position. I know, you know, what I need to be. Um, and, you know, it helps them to, to plan as well. So they're going to put a contingency in. The second one that you need to have in, okay, and, and we're seeing a lot, a lot more of this, um, is your <laughs> shipping and fuel price increase, okay? So on top of the price acceleration, we basically say, hey, you know what? We have a lot of shipping involved in our costs. If the shipping costs increase again, we're going to pass those direct additional costs on to you. Okay. So what does this mean? I had to, my, my customer wanted it done in three phases. All right. Wanted the job done in three phases. All right. And um, you know, the, the additional material or delivery fee was going to be three grand. Do you think that I could negotiate with them to have it done in one phase or maybe store material on site, get paid for that now while it's sitting there rather than sitting on three phases of material? Absolutely. Sure. So again, it's positioning, it's conversation that starts with, you know, explaining a clause and making sure that everybody understands the risk factor that you're taking on and you're communicating with them before anything ever starts. I love it. Now, let's, yeah. yeah. And I mean, talking about delivery, here's the reality guys, like, you know, Jay's adding some extra magic to, to today's call. He's, you know, we're talking about, you know, how to address your contract from a pricing perspective and price increasing and things of that nature. But, you know, when we're talking, you know, you, you raised a really good point about material, which is sometimes guys to bring in this material, you know, maybe a supplier, one supplier doesn't have it, somebody else has it, but in order to get that, it's going to cost extra, you know, shipping expenses um, to, to bring in that material. I mean, if you don't have clauses like that in, in place, if you don't have a contract in place, you really don't have any power over the situation. Right right? You're powerless, right? And then what else, what would you add to the contract from a material shortage perspective? Yeah. So again, getting, getting uh, upfront 
payments. Um, and I've, I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, just recently, like last week, we signed a $1.3 million contract. Um, and the material itself, um, in our contract, we had it stipulated that as soon as we sign this contract, you're going to hand me a $300,000 check. And we're going to hold that material for you. If not, we can't control the price. And whatever it is, by the time we get to that job is what it's going to be. They had not one objection to that. I, I love it. And and now putting yourself in that posi- in that position from a sh- material shortage perspective, you somewhat have addressed any issues on material shortage because you already have the material. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So it's getting the material in advance in this situation. That's, that's right. It's also it's also again it's improving your cash flow. And I very rarely and in any CCDC contract that I've ever done are you paid in advance like as if it were a homeowner giving you a deposit. That doesn't happen in in commercial ICI or anything like that. This time it does because they get it. They understand that at risk is 20 to 30% of the price. They want to lock that price in. You leverage it and you use like now, I mean, I'll be honest with you. We manufacture, we have plenty of inventory. We didn't necessarily need that, but we took it because we wanted to lock that contract in and we wanted to be paid up front for our material before it even was delivered. Well, so, and not, not only that, but I mean, back to, you know, this, this major uh, epidemic of material shortages mm-hmm. you've you've also been able to leverage your insights from a being an industry expert um in your space to basically explain to the client like look at there are some serious labor shortages or sorry material shortages going on here um here's here's some of the options right and and they went with that option so now they know that you know as far as your project is concerned you're not at risk of, of any delays because of some Got material it. shortage, right? And, and thus I'm protecting the general. I'm prote- so again, so, it's about yeah. setting these things up front and in place. You don't get what you don't ask for. Right. Right. So, I mean, when you have something like that and you say, hey, hey, before I go ahead with this, these are the terms that I want. And, and again, I have never seen a time where it was so easy to negotiate on a contract. All right. So remember, we also have a labor shortage that's going into this. So, you know, remember, you're the prize in a lot of situations, you know, five, six, 10 years ago, you know, it was it wasn't this way. You know, we we got you know, we had to take what we could get. And um, the, the tables have certainly churned. Um, mm-hmm. People are, you know, again, con- lots of uh, projects are, you know, already well delayed. They understand the pain of delay and the cost of delay. And what you're doing is basically protecting yourself and putting yourself in a good position to deliver for them. I and that's, 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 that becomes trusted. So. so, Jay, do you also put into your contracts or would you advise this that you put into your contracts, you know, when it's applicable uh, substitutions? Oh, excellent question. Yes, I have a material substitution provision. So (laughs) the material substitution provision basically allows me to substitute any reasonable material. Okay. So in a lot of times, especially in ICI, if they've spec something and and you, you know, again, you're looking at the price and you're looking at thing and you have no clause, you're forced to use that material. Okay. So we, in every single contract, we have a material substitution provision that allows us to make a reasonable substitute. Okay. If it's available and this has saved our bacon probably three times this week. So again, guys, it's, it's the small things. And I'm talking, this is, you know, this is about an eight line sentence or eight, sorry, eight line paragraph that explains why we would need to have that provision in place and what it does, who it protects. 
Um, and again, for the most part, you know, with very little objections, have we um, had any issues with it? And, you know, we use this both on our direct to customer and our commercial work. Um, and again, if anything, it starts a conversation and it allows you to work with whoever you, um, whoever your client is to work with them on solutions rather than waiting until it's a problem, waiting until your delay, waiting until you come mm-hmm. back without this discussion prior to the job actually beginning. So again, you know, for that extra little bit of time and using your head rather than, you know, the heavy lifting and the sweating and then, you know, the nights up worrying about, you know, what you've agreed to, you're changing that you're changing it around to be in your favor. So we love that, you know, that provision around the material. Um, It saved us a lot. There's a couple other ones. uh, One that I'd bring up that's been a big, uh, a big eye opener for us was the manufacturer warranty increase provision. So, guys, you know, for guys that are doing heavy warranty work, heavy, you know, service work, stuff like that. Um, manufacturers are raising their, their warranties dramatically. I mean, if you're, you know, getting towards the end of the project and, and all of a sudden you find out that warranty and that cost that you had associated with it has gone up 20, 30%. We have one that's up 75%. Okay. 75% on a, on a, you know, three or $400,000 job is a very extensive fee. And basically what this means, because you have the manufacturer involved, they're taking liability. All right. They're not stupid either. They know that job's been delayed. They know labor shortages. They know all these factors that go into this, this risk that they're taking. And they, they, they're, they're adjusting prices appropriately. So what you don't want to have happen is you get stuck with that fee. That, that comes right out of your bottom line. That's directly off your profit. Okay. okay your, so, your bottom line profit. Yep. Right. And, so, your, ca- and your cash flow. And your cash flow, and, and you know, again, it, what does it create? It creates stress, anxiety. You know, it, it just makes contracting un, not very fun. You know, when you get to the end of a job and you've knocked it out of the park, and all of a sudden you get whacked with a, you know, a six thousand dollar bill instead of a three thousand dollar bill, and it, what are you going to say about that? There was nothing that you could, you know, do to to correct it. And it's, you know, now it's in your in your lap, and you have to absorb it. And it's those little things. It's not going to be the great big things. Okay, it's the little costs that just eat away at the profit and just, you know, d- demolish your, your season. And it's, you know, again, it's something that can be prevented. Um, in a lot of cases, it can be even, um, it's an opportunity again, because I make money off of warranties. All right. Oh, I've got a, I've got a oh. significant markup on it. Mm-hmm. So again, if I'm, if I'm, if it goes up 75% better for me, I'm not, there's no, there's no additional work involved. So anymore. long as it's, it's in a clause whereby yeah, you're, allowed, you're, allowed, you're giving your, you're, you know, guys, this is about in a lot of cases, you know, getting pre, you know, approval, right. Pre-approval uh, from a, from a legal perspective. And, you know, you're sitting there with your, imagine you're sitting in front of your client, just with what Jay has covered off so far to say, Hey, these are the things we need to consider. Now I want you to seriously think about this. Okay. Now I want you to, we just talked about you sitting there talking to your customer. Okay. Think about how, you know, much of an authority that you're going to look in front of the customer. Okay. Now put yourself in the position of the customer. Is this customer going to be thinking, Hey, this person's not looking out for my best interests, or are they going to be looking at you going, is this person looking out for my best interests, guys? It's going to be the later, right? You know, most contractors out there don't even have a contract in place. The ones that do have a contract in place, they don't have, there's hardly anything on there that provides really true value to the, uh, through the eyes of the, of the customer and it doesn't protect us. So make sure that you've got these things in play. A um, couple of other things I just wanted to ask you, 
you know, I used to back a long time ago, right. When the earth was green, um, I used to work for a very large electrical distributor and, you know, I remember there was, and by the way, everybody, <laughs> this is not the first time there's been shortages, no. right? Okay. Uh, but I used to say to, I used to, you know, part of my job, you know, I was, you know, head of the automation department, but and I'd go into some of these bigger customers and uh, they'd be like, why should we deal with you? And I remember one of the, you know, one of the things I'd always say to them is that, well, you know, uh, and I used to be pretty well aware of who they were dealing with. It was going to be either A, B, C, or D. And I'd be like, well, one of the things that we have that other people don't have is stock. Right. And we have, uh, uh, we have, you know, just not one or two lines. We've got like multiple different lines, you know, because we have multiple different divisions. So whether or not you need, in, in back in my day, Alan Bradley or Omron or Federal or whatever, we had a, the a, you know accessibility to all these different things. And why am I bringing that up? I'm bringing it up because Jay, tell me about how you deal with leveraging multiple suppliers that opens up the door to multiple supply. Yeah. So I mean, again, as I was saying before, relationships is is huge. more more important now than ever. Um, so again, we we practice an eighty twenty rule. Um, whether it's a supplier or whoever, we always are dealing a little bit with other suppliers. We're always, you know, distributing our business so that we're building relationships with everybody in the market. And the reason why we're doing this is because in times like this, yes. okay, we're not going to a supplier we have no experience with. And that sees us as just coming to their door. I don't know. No, we've, we've, we've been giving them business for years, not a lot, but enough where if they have stock or inventory of something, we're, we're still, you know, we still have access to that. So this has been a game changer for, for us. And we've seen a lot of our hard work being repaid to us during, you know, these times where, you know, we know that a supplier, not our normal supplier has some stock, has some inventory for us. And we're able to pay cash for it upfront because we've got our provisions in place with our clients and say, mm -hmm. Hey, you know what? I had front loaded this contract. You know, I'll pay cash for that today. You're going to hold that in my, in your yard for us. And do you think that they appreciate that? <laughs> Dude, one of the big greatest challenges, I'm going to tell you, it's still to this day, the greatest challenge for uh, suppliers and, and distributors out there is, is getting paid. Okay. It's, it's their accounts receivable and they've got, you know, it's their cash flow. So if you can, if you can talk the language of cash, they're going to be, you're going to be able to leverage the shit out of it. Okay. So, but how, but how do you do that? If you don't put these things into play that Jay was talking about these provisions and these things into your contracts, if you're not getting your money up front, if you're not really leveraging what you should be leveraging, then now you're behind the eight ball, right? Instead of the head of the eight ball. All right. Mm -hmm you've lost all of your, you've lost all of your maneuvers as well by the time you get down the road, because of what I'm seeing, I mean, with our own clients and stuff is that they, they wait until the job comes up, then they start to buy. Right. That, but they've had this contract. And for a lot of you guys with sitting with huge backlogs, okay. You guys are the most at risk because who knows where the prices will be three months, six months, nine months down the road. So anyone with like a two-year backlog that they, they, you know, they, they wear on their chest, like a badge, you really got to go back and think, you know, how, what will your profit margins look like if, you know, fuel continues to rise, if 
prices continue to rise, labor shortage, all these things. By the time you get to doing that contract in two years, because you've got all this backlog of work, you're not going to have any profit left. So don't let that happen. Okay. Number one, start raising your own prices to meet demand. If you have that long of a backlog, you can't predict the future. Nobody has a crystal ball. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And, and, and okay. for us, we're at a six week backlog. Every, every day, every project that goes after six weeks, we start raising our price until, until we don't get any jobs. And why? Because again, we're leveraging pricing. We're leveraging our numbers. We know the demand is there and we're going to rise just like the market does. So again, we're not leaving any money on the table. We're treating our customers fairly as well. Okay. Because at the end of the day, all right, if you're, if you're talking to a client and they know they've got their house being built in, let's say September. Okay. And do you not think that every other trade that they talk to, every other supplier they talk to are saying, hey, I don't know. I don't know. They're not getting prices locked in. So when you come through the door and you say, hey, listen, you know, first of all, it puts a, a necessary, <laughs> a necessary um, you know, timeline to things. You know, it, it gets them to sign the contract today. But you're you're already working for them. You you presented and you position yourself that you're working for them to lock in that pricing. Hey, I don't know where the price will be, but if we go ahead today, all right, this is what I can do. And you, I mean, of course, you leave a little bit of room. Like I said, using your your escalating price um, clause, we're going to take the brunt of the material for us. It's steel. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in this steel price for you today. We're gonna bring in your coils. They're gonna sit in our in our in our shop. Um, and when your job's ready, we're going to, we're going to be able to hold this price for the most part. Now, if the accessories and stuff rise, I mean, that's going to be a slight adjustment, but you know, you'll be prepared for it because I've already told you up front to be prepared for it. Yep. So now they're going forward thinking, wow, every other trade has, you know, gone ahead with this job. And then they're coming to me with all these additional costs and, you know, throwing our budgets out and making our lives miserable. You know, here comes this contractor who has his stuff together, told us up front so we could plan and prepare and came through at the time we needed him. So again, you know, you've, you've now, you've now put yourself in a different, um, a different group and this goes in any, any setting. So I give you the exact same setting in the same situation when you're working, you know, large ICI project where it's, you know, commercial ICI, you know, we just did the same thing. We saved the client and, and it did work out. So, you know, we saved them, you know, probably $150,000, $200,000 in the price increase. So do you not think they're grateful for that? And we sure. were on time, on budget, all because of what? We, di we didn't do any more work. There was no more work done. There was no heavy lifting. There was no resources spent. It was literally just planning before we started the and job and thinking ahead. You know that, but you know what, dude, this brings up and you know, we're going to wrap things up here in about five minutes, but you know, this brings up something um, you've highlighted it, but just to be clear, um, <laughs> you know, I had a couple of every once in a while, you know, I'm jumping in just cause I love it, you know, doing a coaching session, what have you with our champion CEOs and, and had a few calls there just over the last couple of weeks. And these people were so grateful. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to promote the, you know, like, okay, come to profit for contractors. Great. If, if you want to raise your hand and get help, but I just want to give you, share, share some insights. These guys, okay. Had, had recognized how much they've lost. They lost hundreds of thousands of dollars because they didn't have contracts in place. And they, and they had, uh, you know, committed to, you know, future projects, future work and things of that nature. Now, okay, they're able to forecast the future with confidence and profitability versus forecasting the future, you know, with scarcity and poverty. 
Okay. And what do I mean by that? You know, people like Jay um, and our champion CEOs, what they are able to do is, you know, how many times AJ, we, we get, uh, we get new clients and it's sad and it's hard, but we got to deal, you know, can't, you know, we got to deal with it. No bullshit. And they go, they go, AJ, they go, yeah, I've got, I'm booked out, man, for like yeah. the next six, six to nine months. Closing 90% of my jobs. I'm, I'm closing 90% <laughs> of my jobs. And I'm like, okay, all uh, right. So do you have any, did you, you've got contracts in place for that, right? And they're like, what? <laughs> well, what happens, what happens if uh, pricing goes up? Oh shit. What, what happens if you can't get the material? What happens? What happens? What? Ha and they're like, oh my God. It's like, okay, um, you've got to go back to these people. And, 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 and that's something I want everybody to listen in on. Okay. Jay, what would your advice be if somebody's got booked out six to nine months worth of work, they don't, they haven't put any contracts in place. Would you advise that they go back to the client and, and like, what would you, what would you advise? A hundred percent. So, I mean, sometimes um, our pride gets in our way and our ego gets in the way. This is not the time for that. Right. Okay? So if you don't have contracts, all right, what are you? You're a contractor. Right. We're not, we're not, um, you know, we're not in, in this business to lose. And the way that you pr protect yourself to start out with is your contract. Right. So get, you know, again, we're not, we're not, and we should stress this. We're not lawyers. We're not, we're not giving you legal advice, right. um, but there are people that will give you this legal advice. The clauses that I've talked to you about are pretty standard. Um, you know, and again, get your contract straight with these con these clients. Go back and explain. You know, practice some humility. I've had to do it plenty of times and explain. Hey, listen, this is where I'm at. Because really, you're not you're not. What you have to understand is that, you know, by going through the contract and putting yourself through the pain, you know, that's that's you know, and losing money. That's the worst case scenario. That's that's well. The worst case scenario is you go to execute on these jobs and mm -hmm. you lose so much money mm -hmm. that you go out of freaking business and you lose and you, your shirt. Actually, that <laughs> might be that might be a better scenario going into bankruptcy than you end up having massive debt that you have to pay you know pay off over the next twenty right. you know, twenty five years. Right. Right. And and it, and it can be just that because prices you know again you raise your cost goes up ten percent. Yeah. Right. That requires you to do 33% more work. <laughs> so how, how much can you absorb? So at the end of the day, let's be smart. So again, for you guys that are sitting with, you know, these open contracts, these things, sit down, do your job costing, start planning your material deliveries, start making phone calls, send out RFQs, get requests for quotes. Okay. I love it. Love it. I, but, but I got to ask this question. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll start wrapping this baby up is would you walk away from a job? <laughs> if Okay. So everybody, cause there's people listening in on this going, they're, they're having an Oh shit moment right now. Yeah. Okay. Would you say to them again, I know we're not being lawyers here. That's why we have the strategic Alliance, you know, we, we with Kayla and, mm -hmm. and a, a specific specialist in, in construction law. But I mean, would you recommend and have you walked away from jobs? hundred percent. So I'll give you two, two scenarios. So one, you have no contract, you have no contract. If you do that job costing, you see you're going to lose or that there's a risk. All right. Make the call. You don't be a hero. Okay. Go to that, the homeowner and say, Hey, listen, this is what I need. If they reject it, no problem. Okay. You're in demand. No problem. There's never been an easier time to get to work. Now for my, my contractors that have contract, have a force majeure in your contract. What's have that mean? 
George just basically means if, you know, you can't get supplies, if you can't get, you know, if there's, you know, your guys got COVID, all this other stuff, stuff that are acts of God, all right? Sex, stuff that you could not control. Right. Right. All right. You can cancel that contract immediately. Now in your price acceleration, same thing, right? If it arises above that 10, that 5%, you can cancel the contract, right. leave yourself an exit room. All right. Yeah. Too many times I see it over and over again. And especially in the commercial. Okay. Because there's, you know, I'll be honest with you. There is no, there is no love in war and commercial is as close to war as you're going to get. Um, there, you know, there's no rules when it comes to, um, you know, how contractors get treated because it's a business to business, non-emotional transaction. So when somebody sees you as prey and forces you to go through a contract, holding the contract over your head, that's your fault. Okay. And it's happened plenty of times to us where we we've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially in my early days. And you know, they could care less. It's just a transaction. You agree yeah, to it, especially right. low price bids. You're just like a number. That. You're just a number. For sure. For sure. So again, let's be smart. Let's get yeah. that force majeure. Let's get as many exit clauses in there as possible. I've walked away from three major projects this year and still do business with the clients. Why? Because I was clear. I told them, hey, listen, if the prices increase from the time that I bid it, this is what happened. I'm no longer low bid. There you go. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Dude, you've covered off, you've covered off some, uh, amazing, uh, gold, you know, from the <laughs> force majeure to, to, you know, how to approach the contracts. Uh, you know, we've gone, uh, gone above and beyond, uh, we've addressed even on the pricing side of things. So look at guys, there is a better way to do things. Take the podcast, pause it, write this shit down, you know, rewind it, go back as many times, and then, you know, get a contract in place, spend the 250 freaking dollars, go see a construction lawyer and go, hey, you know, can you put this in, in, in a wording that, that works? And here's the best part about doing that. You can leverage that for the life of your business, guys. Like this is like this is this is about you know investing time into yourself, into your company, and protecting you, protecting your team, protecting your clients, protecting your suppliers. Nobody else is going to do it, and I'll tell you why. Because you're responsible for this. Okay. As much as you might think that you're not, you are a hundred percent responsible to, to ensure that you're protecting yourself and those around you. So Jay, last words, what would be one last thing that you would say your last words on this topic? Yeah, I think it's just a lot around uh, the mindset. Cause I think that's what trips us up the most. You know, what I, what I've said here, um, again, I have, I have very little emotional attachment to it in terms of, am I letting the client down? Because I think now you, now, now you do, but before yeah. you, yeah. <laughs> right. I think sometimes we get it in our head that, Hey, if I let this customer down or I'm going to lose this business. All right, let's drop that mindset. Because again, um, it, that's a scarcity mindset. Right. All right. And a lot of times when, especially with this pandemic and everything else that's gone on has put a lot of insecurities and a lot of fears out there that are unnecessary. Okay. So as a contractor, again, if you're sitting in these jobs and I know I, I speak from pure trauma in experiencing this stuff and knowing I'm losing money on a contract, knowing I'm being forced through, you know, things that I can't afford and, and losing, mm -hmm. you know, all of my hard earned value and money. I learned the hard way. You got the opportunity today to not learn the hard way. Right. Okay. And, and again, leave yourself room, leave, make sure you're, you're communicating properly and don't, don't think that you're going to lose a contract or lose business. And if you do, all right. 
that's there could be no better blessing blessing so again just get your head straight around this stuff and you know don't think about what hasn't happened right don't let the anxiety overrun your judgment and you know fear and everything else that's going on yeah very good advice you know you you triggered something you know my last little words of advice i keep it nice and short is this ask yourself this question okay ask yourself from today's call you know was there one thing that you got out of this call today? And, and I would have to say that there's probably a pretty good chance that you got something. You probably got more than one thing. Okay. If you didn't, you probably shouldn't listen to the podcast. But here's the thing why am I bringing that up? Bring it up because doing this alone, trying to figure all this shit out, you know, you heard Jay use the word trauma. I mean, this isn't fun, guys, if it goes the wrong direction. Okay. So, Don't, you know, and even Jay mentioned the word pride, you know, we let our pride get in the way of these things like, oh my God, I'm not going to go to this customer and say that, you know, I can't do this job. Guys, this is a business. This is your, this is your livelihood, right? Um, This is, you know, it could be the, it could be the difference between you making it or freaking breaking it. And um, I want you and Jay wants you to make it. So reach out for help. Okay. This is just one little hair on the head of topics. You know, Jay's got, you know, full on and our champion sales get access to some of these things, full on already done contracts with the right wording, with all the, all these different things that, that, that we're able to share, whether it's through proper contractors or somebody else, don't try and do all this on your own. Don't try and figure it out on, on your own. And don't try to create all these tools and systems on your own, because I'm going to tell you, it was a fucking it was a nightmare of a journey for me. And I'm still learning a ton of stuff. You know, Jay's still learning a ton of stuff, but we're, do, we're learning a ton of stuff because we're learning it from others beyond just, you know, doing it alone. Okay. So if you want some extra help, you, you know, if this tweaks your interests, raise your hand. Um, you can just, you know, type in, you know, more info or anything of that nature. Just, you know, raise your hand for, hey, I need some help. And we're going to be here to help you, okay, as best as possible. And that's basically it. So this is another, you know, no bullshit podcast for contractors. Put yourself in the driver's seat. Don't be locked up in the fucking trunk being driven by everybody else. It's, it's, that's a dark and painful place to be. And uh, we will see you on the flip side. Hey, rock stars. Thank you for watching the No Bullshit Podcast for Contractors. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button. And if you're serious about growing and need help, click on the link below. Myself and my team would love to help and give you the necessary tools so you can take your contracting business to the next level. And remember, dominate, delegate, and deliver.